takes, not hot takes. This is Everyone is Wrong, a counterintuitive pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Seth Sommerfeld. Thanks for listening. My guest today is an upstanding upstate TV newsman, a voracious consumer of nerdy art, and was my lone brother in a sea of sisters for roughly a calendar year. He is here today to get his gamma juices flowing and break his streak of days without an anger incident in order to defend 2008's Edward Norton-led The Incredible Hulk, the one entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe which has essentially been all but scrubbed from the canon and dismissed as an afterthought by fans and critics alike. Everyone is wrong, but James Pataglia isn't. Thanks for coming on, James. Thank you for having me, Seth. How are you handling today, and how are things going in general? Things in general are going very well. Uh, today also, you know, a lot of, aside from the podcast, there's a lot of yard work to do that I've done, so I'm feeling nice and fresh right now. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, and then preparing for this, honestly, I had it had been a long time since I watched this movie, uh, and it just got me a little bit more worked up about this than I have been every <laughs> single time one of these Hulk movies have come out. It's been a long stretch for... Hulk fans, I think. Yes. Uh, so let's get into the background of The Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. The Incredible Hulk is a 2008 superhero movie directed by Louis Leterrier and written by Zach Penn. It stars Edward Norton as Bruce Banner and Hulk, Liv Tyler as Betty Ross, William Hurt as Thunderbolt Ross, and Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky and Abomination. The movie dispenses with Hulk's origin story in the opening credit montage showing his gamma ray bombardment and all of that and essentially leaving us with bruce banner hiding in brazil and working a low-level job at a factory he's on the run and he's just trying to avoid the u.s military yes a bright green soda factory it's very subtle (laughs) he's left his life behind including his girlfriend slash research partner betty ross to live on the run while trying to find ways to control his anger to prevent hulking out, as well as searching for a cure for his Hulk condition by sharing his data, research data, with a mysterious scientist. When an accident reveals his location, the U.S. military descend, led by Betty's dad, General Thunderbolt Ross. After chasing Bruce through the slums, a group of soldiers led by top special forces agent Mil Blonsky and his crew encounter the Hulk and the Hulk escapes. He finds a way back to Virginia and Betty and the two go on the run to escape the military and try and cure Bruce. Thunderbolt Ross allows Blonsky to use some genetic advanced engineering to try and capture Hulk, but Blonsky's thirst for power becomes unquenchable leading to a destructive encounter with the Hulk. That's boilerplating the film, essentially. Released on June 8th, 2008, the film was the second movie in Marvel's cinematic universe following Iron Man, which was released only a month prior. So this was well before the MCU was this established pop culture monolith that just prints money whenever it puts anything out. But they were already doing the uh, the post credits. Well, it wasn't post credits this time. It was pre credits. Yeah, post movie. It's weird. I I mean, we'll kind of get to it. But it, I remembered it being post credits. But I also did. Yes. So I I was wondering. I'm not, I didn't actually look this up, but I think it might have been re edited for commercial release. I don't know. Okay. It there's a chance because I definitely remember it being a post credit scene. Anyway. Uh, We'll get to that. (laughs) So while the MCU wasn't a money printing machine yet, this movie still did well. It made $264 million at the box office against a budget of around $150 million, which is good, but definitely not on the level of other MCU films and even about half the box office receipts of Iron Man, which came out the prior month. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. So it's a success, but it's not a trumpeting success unlike most of the films covered on this podcast the incredibly hulk was positively received when it was released it sits at 67 percent among critics on rotten tomatoes though only 53 percent among top critics and has an audience score of 70 percent but it was also very middling reviews usually the people that didn't like it kind of gave it a 
marginal or in a few cases a very bad review while the people that gave it a positive review were like yeah it was pretty good (laughs) so it wasn't like some of the films that we cover it's these are either five star reviews or one star reviews people were either super on board or not at all and this one's kind of in the middle on the positive end renee rodriguez of the miami herald wrote Careful not to repeat the past, The Incredible Hulk does a lot of things Lee's Hulk didn't. It's lighter, faster paced, it's funnier, and it embraces instead of ignoring the 1970s TV series that furthered the character's popularity. And in this case, Lee's refers to Ang Lee's version, which came out in 2003, I believe, which was a much worse received film even though it's in some ways maybe like a quote-unquote artier film. That's that's the movie that got me into the Hulk, actually. But we, we, we will get to that momentarily, too. Another on the <laughs> positive end of things, Bill Gututsky for the Arizona Republic wrote, Big, loud, messy, and most of all fun, Incredible Hulk offers more evidence that, when done right, comic book hero stories can indeed be, well, super. This was still in an age where they're like, hey, you know what? <laughs> comic book movies, like, those could work, I guess. It's wild, yeah. It's just... it's very contextually, like, going back over some of these reviews is pretty crazy. There's one, <laughs> not this next one, but the one after it. On the negative side, people like The Guardian's Peter Bradshaw were not on board. He wrote his entire review in, like, Hulk-style sentences. So here's oh a sampling God, of that. that. <laughs> I, I I hate that. That's the worst kind of review. <laughs> okay. Let me let me okay. let me give you a let me give you a sample. <laughs> what Hulk smash most? Hulk smash all hope of interesting time in cinema. Hulk take effort of cinema, effort getting babysitter, effort finding parking, and Hulk put great green fist right through it. Hulk crush all hopes of entertainment. Hulk in boring film. He went on to say. Hulk versus humanity, important thing. Cancelled out here. Basic problem. Critic not believe Hulk angry. Hulk just roar. It not look convincing. Not truly seem angry. So that was the uh, Guardian's elevated review. That that review that <laughs> yeah. review speaks the way the MCU Hulk speaks. The Ruffalo Hulk, which we will yes, we will dive just into. Just a dumb angry baby. Okay. <laughs> This one from Los Angeles Times, Kenneth Turin, is hilarious in retrospect. As he said, rather than go to the trouble of crafting a dramatically satisfying conclusion, the Incredible Hulk blows the audience off and takes the air out of its previously solid work by ending with what is essentially a shameless trailer for the next Marvel movie. (laughs) Welcome to the MCU, Kenneth! Of all the things to criticize this movie for, it's like, uh, it's just like setting up for the Avengers. Imagine loving the whole movie and then there's a post-credit scene and you're like, well, that was worthless film. How dare they prime me for the next one? And this movie came out a a month later, you said? A month after Iron Man. (laughs) So it's it's not like you're like waiting for these things. Also, there was a post-credit scene in Iron Man that was like... (laughs) Maybe it was less obvious because it wasn't like Robert Downey Jr. You know, it wasn't like another character was strolling in. But I mean, there was, I mean, that's where Samuel Jackson came. And he's like, hey, yeah. we're going to do an Inve- Avengers thing, basically. And, you know, I had gotten that confused with this one, too. When I watched this, I thought it was going to have Nick Fury at the end. I had forgotten that Iron Man just walks, well, Tony you know, Stark, yeah, uh, just Tony walks Stark into a bar. In, yeah. Literally yeah. A, a joke set up. the incredible hulk was also a movie sometimes improved and sometimes doomed by its comparisons on the positive end there was a lot of people that did not like the eric 2013 eric banna led hulk directed by ang lee and they compared it in those terms mark raymer of the seattle times opined the relaunch of Marvel's Green Goliath is an improvement over director Ang Lee's ponderous 2003 Hulk in nearly every way. And I know you you like that Hulk. And a lot of there were also a lot of critics who are like, 
that movie at least had thoughts. And this one is <laughs> just uh, a CGI fight fest. I mean, like I would that. even disagree with that. Right. We will get to that a little bit later, but I think this is a smarter movie than most of the MCU movies end up being. Right. And then on the other end, because it was so close and people really liked Iron Man when it came out, yeah. a lot of people compared this, reviewers compared it negatively to Iron Man, like Stephen Ray of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who said, alas, the Incredible Hulk is no Iron Man. And a brief appearance by the devish, devilishly goateed Tony Stark only serves to remind us of that fact. So that's another thing. But really what qualifies this movie for to be an everyone is wrong topic is how it's come to be seen after its release in the decade following as the MCU has become the biggest force in film. For starters, you know one person who doesn't like this film? Edward Norton. <laughs> he got on board with the project because he liked the proposed direction but ended up being very publicly critical of the script and the end result norton is said to have rewritten his own version of the script but it was not used also the original cut of the movie that he and the director put together was around 20 minutes longer and marvel was like no we're not having that in our popcorn movie we need to keep <laughs> it slightly streamlined even though it's not the most streamlined movie. Yes. And now their movies are four hours long. <laughs> yes. Norton was quoted as saying what Chris Nolan had done with Batman was going down a path that I aligned with long, dark and serious. If there was ever a thing that I thought had that in it, it was the Hulk. It's literally the Promethean myth. I laid out a two film thing, the origin and then the idea of Hulk as a conscious dreamer, the guy who can handle the trip. And they were like, that's what we want. As it turned out, that wasn't what they wanted, but I had a great time doing it. I got along great with Kevin Feige, who's the boss of the MCU. It really sounds like Ed Norton gets the Hulk. Yeah, if you read some things, he seems to be very locked into the character in a way that some other people aren't. For his part, Marvel boss Kevin Feige released a statement saying the studio's decision to recast the Hulk was, quote, definitely not one based on monetary factors, but instead rooted in the need for an actor who embodies the creativity and collaborative spirit of our other talented cast members. Which, yikes, <laughs> basically it's saying Edward Norton is a dick and hard to work with and we don't want to do it anymore without saying Edward Norton is a dick and hard to work with and we don't want to work with him anymore. And even furthering that, Leterrier and Roth were both signed on for more films, but Norton was the one who bailed. Eventually the role of Banner and Hulk was recast with Edward Norton's pal Mark Ruffalo taking over the part starting with 2012's The Avengers and then continued on through the rest of the MCU and still is in the role at present. Also, interestingly, Leterrier is quoted as saying that he originally wanted to cast Ruffalo in this movie. So it's a weird like, well, I guess we'll go with my option one, your option two, but now I'm no longer part of the MCU. It's a kind of weird, <laughs> weird thing. Another yeah. factor in the Hulk kind of fading into obscurity so basically, that's the main reason is that this other actor came to portray the Hulk. They've kind of ditched a lot of the backstory and characters from this. And people like Ruffalo's Hulk, a lot of them. So people are like, well, I like this Hulk better. So I'm just going to pretend like that one didn't exist. There's also the factor that Universal owns the rights to make Hulk movies, not Marvel. It's a similar thing to how Sony owns the right to make Spider-Man movies. So the studios have to kind of agree in order for there to be a standalone Hulk movie. But unlike Sony and Spider-Man, which eventually came to terms to do movies in the MCU, Universal is kind of like, no, we're just going to keep this on our own and not do anything with it. And so if you're looking on Disney Plus to stream this movie, <laughs> it's not there. Neither are the Spider-Man yeah. movies. But at least 
those ones are still positively held high in kind of the collective memory and still considered canonical in a way that this movie almost isn't. So that's the setup of The Incredible Hulk. So James, why is everyone wrong about The Incredible Hulk? Uh, everyone, ooh, you're making me, ask me to be very declarative. and, and <laughs> It's just the name. Don't overdo it. <laughs> everyone is wrong about uh, The Incredible Hulk because this is, uh, in my opinion, a more true to the best of the comics version of the character and the story of The Incredible Hulk. All right, so let's dive into that. What about... This makes it a better Hulk as someone who is steeped in that comics lore. I mean, the biggest reason, number one, would be that the actual character of Hulk is a better version than the one we end up with in the MCU. And I don't want to be too negative about the MCU because uh, the the ultimate endgame of that Hulk character, the Professor Hulk character, <laughs> yes, does have a precedent in the comics. And it, if you say you prefer the Professor Hulk version, I am okay with that. But it's not, to me, an interesting version of the Hulk character or the most interesting version. And they also turn this character of the Hulk into a punchline, mostly a comic relief and a character that's used mostly throughout the films to demonstrate how strong other characters are, either heroes or villains. So, right. Yeah. So for the rest of the MCU, basically the Hulk comes, Ruffalo's Hulk comes back Mm -hmm. in the Avengers and is part of the battle of New York, squashes Loki, throws him around, ragdolls him around. But yeah, he's he's, the best. That's the best we get of that Hulk. Right, he's, he's nothing like that for the rest of the MCU. Yeah, he he's a fun character, and then he, but again, he is used more in almost a comic relief sense or a thing where it's the measuring stick. Where, like in Age mm-hmm. of Ultron, he's there so that you can show off the Hulkbuster armor, yes. or later he's there so that Thanos can beat him up, and you're like, oh, Thanos is super powerful. He just beat yes. up the Hulk, who no one yes. else can beat up. Where in this movie, he's not he's not used in a way to further other things. He's used in a way to further his own character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the essence of the Hulk, the green Hulk, and I'm talking about Hulk and Banner separately, although we'll get in a minute to yeah. why. Because I don't, I like this version where Hulk and Banner are the same. In MCU, you get a Hulk and Banner that's more of a Jekyll Hyde, two different characters. But we can, we'll set that aside for now. I think what's essential to the Hulk as a comic book character, which is uh, this sort of mythology and arch- archetypes and all that, is that the Hulk is a display of anger as insurmountable. So in the comics, a lot of times what you get is the Hulk, when he's being beaten, if he gets angrier, he gets stronger and wins. And that is... And then the the character of Banner, or in some cases, the character of Hulk, has to overcome or deal with in some way uh, the fact that it's just unleashed, pure unleashed anger, overcoming the obstacles. And how you have to use your anger, use your powerful emotions like that, and unleash them fully in order to accomplish your goals. And that is totally, totally, totally lost in the MCU where you get Hulk cracking jokes. Right. He he's and in the comics and in the incredible Hulk, this movie, he Mm -hmm. does have some more intelligence than he's given up until he's professor Hulk, obviously where he's like aware of more things and less of like a pure id, just like fighting bashing. He can like learn, you know, adapt intelligently not just because his anger is getting higher and higher it's presented in the incredible hulk as more of a blackout type situation where banner blacks out and doesn't remember what's happening and he's just sort of unleashed in that way whereas the ruffalo hulk fights against the transformation because he's turning into a different person and then you have a truly whiny a whiny child of a hulk 
mm-hmm. which again does have precedence in the comics. And if that's what you like, then good for you because you got a lot of it. But that's not what I wanted. And you know, over the years, after the first Avengers, he he punches that big worm. You know, that's flying. Uh, that's the secret. I'm always angry. Which there's no indication, by the way, that he's always angry. That Banner is always angry throughout the rest of the MCU. But anyway. That's a great moment for the Hulk. He slams Loki back and forth, another iconic Hulk moment. And then every time an Avengers movie would come out after that, I'm I'm not even going to say we. I don't know if there's anyone else who feels like I do about this, but I would be so excited. Maybe this is the one where Hulk is going to do some cool stuff. Okay, no, they used Hulk this time to show off how strong Tony Stark is before he fights the rest of the guys. And then he, of course, Hulk is able to kill as he always is uh, the hordes that come out at the end of every MCU movie. And then we get what's after that one civil war. He's gone, right? They fly him away because he destroys a building, the collateral damage. Or the, 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 he, he gets sent away in age of Ultron because he's, he's like on the f- like spaceship. And basically he just decides to stay yeah. on the spaceship and so then he's gone, and then he comes back for uh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok, and then bails again during. He's he's in Ragnarok during Civil War because Civil War would make no sense if Hulk was on either side, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think that's why he's not in in there. Yeah. So just to keep it away, though, probably within the MCU, Banner would have just been like, "I'm not taking sides," and that would have been. <laughs> that yeah that banner would be some something of a peacekeeper probably right and then you get him in infinity war Mm -hmm. after that right where he is immediately defeated by thanos which uh i think a more i mean more my ideal version of the hulk would just get madder at thanos and crush him at that point but that obviously can't happen right then he then he leaves and then he comes back as professor hulk yes between movies, like all of his character development in the MCU happens between movies. It's like, oh, last time you saw me, I was this way. I've learned some mysterious thing between films, and now I'm Professor Hulk. Now I'm happy with myself, and I have combined these two people into one person who wears sweaters and takes selfies and uh, eventually is crippled by the Infinity Gauntlet, which would not happen to the Hulk. And uh, he's at one he's pinned by a boulder the hulk is pinned by a boulder (laughs) imagine you know after he's beaten by thanos i spend all that time like okay here it is this is this next one is the hulk one (laughs) and then he's pinned by a boulder Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean yeah he only beats animals he only throughout the whole thing he beats the worm he beats hordes in ragnarok he beats a large wolf yes only animals the whole time it's that's it, what they do with the hulk that's what they do with the hulk and in comparison in this movie they're even like his introduction in the incredible hulk is very interesting when you kind of push it against the M- rest of the mcu hulk which is much more of like a bright comic character almost yeah. but less of the monster in this one, when he he's running to the he's being chased through the Brazilian slums, and yeah, he goes it's back almost to the, a horror movie, right? He goes back to the bottling plant, and some local thugs are the ones who beat him up while the troops are trying to find him. And it's this bottling factory at night, and it's dark, and he hulks out, and you don't see it like happen really. You don't see him like do the transformation initially you just see like kind of he's about to do it and then it's so dark that it's just like him in the shadows Mm -hmm. and he is very much that monster and and you know people are flying here and there and he's throwing things around but you're not you're doing that kind of horror monster thing where you're not really even fully revealing him for the first minute of him causing destruction the the closest i can think of would maybe be like a jurassic park type situation where they're all looking around with their high-tech weaponry and they just are annihilated right you don't see the dinosaur and then all of a sudden oh there he is throwing (laughs) a forklift at blonsky and he's like what happened I, i went back and specifically compared that to his appearance in avengers on the plane and yeah it's a lot 
it's a lot brighter in Avengers. He's not presented as scary as much as he is just another thing for the superheroes to deal with. Whereas in this one, he's he's literally murdering people. He's murdering members of the American armed forces. Like he's a total killer in this movie. Right. And even when he's escaping from Brazil, they show off his power just because he's escaping from Brazil and he ends up when Banner wakes up, he's in Guatemala. Yeah. In like the course <laughs> of like a couple hours or whatever. So it's just like, oh, yeah, right. He can just like jump. Yes, undescribable yes. lengths and move undescribable speeds. And, you know, when he's fighting, when he's fighting Abomination at the end of this movie, they're smashing around and, you know, in a very just like big beat em up superhero kind of thing. But it's also there's a little bit more of an intelligence to it in that, like, it's not the Man of Steel thing where you're destroying, like, an entire town. And the Hulk's smart yeah. enough to, like, he'll jump off and, like, take out catwalks of buildings, but he's not just, like, I'm running through this whole city and there, there's enough an awareness to do some protection within the fight. Yes. Yeah, this is a version... I mean, the Hulk in this movie, I think, is Banner who has hulked out right. instead of a separate. This is, I mean, he he's still pure ego and pure emotion, but he's not he's not dumb. He's not a child the way they make the other one a child. Right. So leading off that, transitioning into your second point. Mm-hmm. which would be Banner himself in this movie. Yes. That it's a, a better a, Banner. It's a better Banner as well. Yeah, you've got a version of Banner here who is show-not-tell smart. He's not scared of himself, first of all, the way the Ruffalo Banner is afraid of himself. He is in control. He's figured out a way to at least deal with his issues, which is uh, he's doing the fighting slash meditation. I don't know exactly. It's some combination of the two. And then he's got the heart rate monitor and he's hidden away and he's doing, and while he's doing all that, he's got sciencey gadgets in his hideout that he's using to like look at his blood and test cures and, and try to figure out. And encrypting emails that the government yes. can't hack. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. there's all these levels of creativity and, thinking that are put into it in a serious way instead of a like basically this banner is serious and smart and the other one is kind of smart but comedic yes well you get with the other banner you get moments like in Ragnarok where he's like how many PhDs do you have because I have seven and like that's him showing that he's smart just telling someone he has PhDs and then flying a plane without ever seeing it before Whereas this banner is actually working through his issue. He's trying to cure himself of the uh, the Hulkness because he he sees it as a problem and he doesn't think anyone should have it. And that helps set up the movie with the uh the enemy, the the Tim Roth character. Yeah, Emil Blonsky, yes, Tim Roth. Blonsky, yeah. That helps set up the the dichotomy here between the scientist with the Hulk power and the soldier with the Hulk power, which I think is part of what makes this smarter than a lot of the MCUs. You get these very pure scientist versus soldier, both very strong who comes out on top. It's a, it's a more pure story that way. Mm -hmm. And part of another thing in favor of this banner versus the MCU banner, which by the way, I should say, I'm less of a hater on the MCU Hulk. It's just very much two different tastes, but I can totally see how someone steeped in the lore and things like that. It the MCU Hulk is not the comic Hulk or the comic it's book just, Hulk. So he's okay. It's just yeah. time after time. I was every single time I was hoping for just one where Hulk gets to do something. Right. And again and again, they just beat him easily. <laughs> Right. So that somebody else can be the hero. And I, I don't know if you even, we'll get into Ragnarok. We'll, we'll get into that later. I'll talk a little bit yeah. about that but and what they did to him. Getting into, you're talking about how he has issues. Literally, this banner has PTSD flashbacks where he's just like, gets 
in moments he'll just like basically collapse from remembering something when he was Hulk, a missile being fired at him or something like that. And it's just like, so he's dealing with this in kind of a troubled intellectual level. It's also good that they kind of just dispense with the origin story in that opening credits. Yeah. I like that a lot, which was part of the, you know, especially the criticism of the early MCU was these are all just so boilerplate origin stories. And this one is not that it kind of works in the same way to introduce a character, but you're not having to spend 20 minutes where he's researching and explaining what they're trying to do and getting shot with the gamma rays and hulking out for the first Mm -hmm. time and escaping. You're just kind of like, boom, 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 here it is. And still, even with this more serious take on the Hulk, you still have Edward Norton being able to do comedic moments. There's mm-hmm. the like moment when he jumps out of the helicopter to try and go confront Abomination <laughs> and like is expecting to Hulk out and does not Hulk out immediately. And yes. he's just like, yes. oh, oh, no. They do repeat that later on in the MCU, too. The banner jumping out of a plane in a heroic moment and slamming into the ground that comes back in Ragnarok. And Edward Norton does a really good job just kind of being, I guess, a lot more subtle. I mean, in general, this movie is a lot more subtle with its approach to Hulk and Banner as opposed Mm -hmm. to the MCU. And that leans a little bit more towards the comic side where it's a little, it's yeah, it's just, in the comic books, he's not primarily a humorous character, and on yeah, either end, the, the MCU banner only works with all the other characters as a side character, and so I don't hate him. I understand. Right. It's just the repeated letdowns have worn on me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also want to say this: this banner. Another thing about this banner, the beginning that chase. That's not he's he's fit. He's a a fit fellow. He's a tall, skinny, fit guy who can do parkour. Yeah, he as was well just parkouring the around <laughs> the uh, shanties, the favela towns in Brazil. And it's just like a genuinely good chase as just Bruce Banner, which you don't get cool Bruce Banner scenes in right. the rest of the MCU. He is fully a genius fugitive. It's as if you started Iron Man with Tony Stark in the cave. You skip all the other stuff, and here he is with nothing. What can this character do? What is this character made of? So speaking to the other human characters in this movie, probably the biggest erasure in the entire The Incredible Hulk saga is that Betty Ross is a key component of this movie, and then she dissipates like she never existed at all. And Thunderbolt Ross is still in the other movies, but that's what I'm, I'm curious about how that's going to work going forward. Cause her dad is still a part of it now. Right. So your third point is Betty Ross. Yeah. Yeah. This is Liv Tyler here, Betty. I guess I'll compare her to partly black widow because what you get. And again, I don't want to, I, I really don't want to be too negative, but what we get in Betty is, a normal human being who trusts the Hulk, which is a big deal for someone to stand next to him and, and be like, no, you can, you're better than that. You don't have to murder this man on the street. And what you get with black widow is someone who Bruce Banner has a crush on who knows a phrase that can turn him from the Hulk to Bruce Banner. And that's the extent of their relationship. And I think you get a lot more depth in this one for sure. Right. Liv Tyler generally seems this seems to be kind of the typecast role for Liv Tyler, where it's like she's the uh, beautiful, calm muse for the fighter or the hero to keep going and keep them calm, be it in Lord of the Rings or Armageddon or here. But there's a reason why she's typecast as it is because she can play the role very well. Yeah. And yeah, she, as you were saying, I think for some people who might not get the distinction, it's not that she trusts Bruce. She trusts Hulk. 
Yes, which yes. is she's not afraid to run up there because she has faith that they are still in some sense one being and even if she sees no signs of Bruce she's still on board because she knows that's her person essentially and like Thunderbolt Ross tries to bring her out tries to be like oh well she's gonna see him Hulk out that it's like then she's gonna be like yeah you're right dad (laughs) And that does not work for him. She watches him murder. Uh, I don't know what branch of the military those people are in, but they are on a college campus and they have every right to be shooting at this monster. And she watches him murder them. And she's still like, daddy, what are you doing? But then again, he is the one bringing everybody there. Yeah. She just understands there's a, there's a quiet chemistry between the two. It's not, so over the top as it is in maybe some of the other MCU, but there's, I think the main thing is that she just cares in a way. Yes. Yeah. You very much get that there's a caring there that even if it's not, you know, even if they can't be together because of the Hulk thing that she still just cares about Bruce and cares about the Hulk. A lot of the relationships in the MCU are very big and very loud, be it, Thor and Jane or Star-Lord and Gamora. It's, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of times it's one person being like very quippy or, you know, very silly or over the top or, you know, it's less, it's less grounded than this relationship is between Betty and Bruce and the Hulk and it's kind of nice because, again, in comparison to Black Widow, that relationship just kind of comes about out of nowhere. And it's it's like the thing you were speaking of where a lot of the development happens off screen for Hulk in the other movies. The chemistry and relationship between Black Widow and Hulk is just like kind of just like, OK, trust us. Like it's kept on going in these in the time since we've seen them last or building because yeah. really like Black Widow probably her best chemistry with anybody is with Captain America in the winter soldier. They have more of like a crackling, like back and forth mm-hmm. rapport than Ruffalo's Bruce and Hulk ever do. You just, again, it's kind of like, Oh, she knows to sing him a lullaby or whatever. Yeah. And that's why they love each other. Which Thor eventually can do too. So, I mean, it's not, Anybody, anybody ends up being able to do that to the Hulk. Here you've got Betty, who is essential to Hulk's arc. It starts out Bruce by himself trying to keep Hulk confined, trying to control himself. And then Betty comes in by the end. She is helping direct Hulk in a way that I don't, he, he clearly wouldn't have been able to do himself at the end. And, and she also, I wanted to say that uh, the romance here is not so over. It's not so heavy handed, except for that one scene where they try to hook up and they can't because his Hulk monitor starts going up. Right. He basically, his heart rate can't go above 200. And yeah, <laughs> and they start getting hot and heavy on a hotel bed. And he's like, no, this isn't going to. Yeah, his, it starts beeping. His uh, wrist monitor starts beeping. But uh, other th- other than that, it's more of like an implied history that they have with each other. Right. And even like Bruce, when he's on the run, keeps a photo of her. But mm-hmm. at least at the start, he's very much trying to be like, yeah, I'm just not going to see her again because I feel I don't want to put her in danger. It's not yeah. like it's not like, oh, I'm trying to. It doesn't you don't even get the sense that the whole goal of him trying to be cured is so that he can get back to Betty. It's just, he's away from Betty because he, again, it's a care thing where he cares about her and does not want to put, and knows that like the, she has the weird father dynamic and doesn't want to put her in danger, not only from himself, but also put her in the military crosshairs. Yeah. And he's, He's not trying to get cured for any reason, it seems, other than that he believes this is not a good thing to exist in the world. Not 
not just Hulk, but this ability to to do this. At one point, he tries to destroy all of the blood that the guy had created for the purpose of, he was going to use the Hulk blood to try to cure all disease is what he had said. And uh, Banner's like, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this. You can't, this can't exist. Right. Because Bruce is very afraid of the military implications that like Thunderbolt Ross wants, wants to get him so that he can create more super Hulks and an army of Hulks or in theory, that's like what they're, what his game is. Yeah, it comes out that he he was trying to... Hulk was created while they were working on a super soldier type thing that they had never told the scientists working on it that they were trying to replicate super soldier stuff. But one more point on Betty is that I think she's she's not limited to her relationship with Banner either. She's a separate part of the story in that she's also a brilliant scientist and there are parts where she is working alongside him to cure the Hulk ability, the gamma poisoning, whatever you want to call it. And then there's the point where Banner is strapped down to the table and she's, she's doing it. She's leading pretty much that experiment when the other guy freaks out and that scene too, back on, on the Hulk for a second, Yep. back to why it's a better Hulk. It's a better transformation, which really comes out in that scene it's more of an american werewolf type stretching cracking bones breaking yeah it's it's undulating from different spots and it's not just like a you know a sponge you put in water and suddenly it's bigger it's his like whole body contorting and convulsing and just like struggling to get to hulk mm-hmm. size almost yeah I think that's all I got on Betty. And so, yeah, just to drive it home, Betty just disappears. And that's the other thing is that she is not like they even are like, well, Betty went to go do this or whatever, (laughs) or that Betty is ever brought up with the Black Widow relationship that it's like, oh, when they first start flirting or whatever, it's like, oh, well, I have this uh, woman who saved me and has been with me forever and you just need to like go back like a few movies and watch like it's it's there in tape you can it's just she drops off the face of the earth and it doesn't really make a lot of sense why it's never even like because it could have just in some sense it could have just been solved by like a throwaway line in some or just put her picture put her picture somewhere right like he's already we already know that bruce carries a tattered old picture of her right but I mean, even if they wanted to distance themselves, be like, oh, Betty went, you know, she got married. Like he could have at some point <laughs> been like, oh, yeah, he she got married to Ty Burrell, who yeah. plays her like boyfriend in this. Who was very cool, by the way. He was like, he, he was, was very he's cool the co- about her running away with her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Ty, Ty Burrell's character in this movie, who's like the guy that Betty's dating when Bruce shows up in Virginia and he's kind of looking around is just like kind of gets it like weirdly he's just like (laughs) he's just deferential like she runs away basically with her ex and then their house is like raided by the government and thunderbolt shows up and is like (laughs) he's like you do tell me where she is for her to be safe and also if you don't tell me She's going to be a fugitive. And Tyrell's not like, <laughs> okay, I'll help you because this monster just stole my girlfriend. He's like, you're a dick, man. Like, yeah. I see why she doesn't like you. So, so anyway, yeah, Tyrell's cool. That she marries movie. that guy. Yeah, and that would be cool. Like, nobody would be, again, he's set up in a way that if you were like, oh, he, Bruce is like, marry him because he's safe and I know you'll be cared for. Because it's also like, that's the care thing. It's just like, he's, Bruce sees it, he's kind of like bummed out, but he's not like, oh, I hate that guy. He's right. Like, you believe that if Bruce was like, look, I'm in all this Avengers shit, like, <laughs> Ty Burrell likes you. Uh, just like, have a normal life. Be okay. I'll. He's chill with this. Yeah, it would have been like totally fine. And you could have just like mentioned that in like a line. And when Bruce is talking, like, 
in some quip where, yeah, I don't know. It, and it, they don't even Bruce and and Betty don't even really have a romantic relationship at the very end of this movie. It's more like they're working together on this Hulk thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not a stretch for her to go off and have a life. But it's just a stretch for her to not be ever mentioned again. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, that's that's a good deep dive on Betty. So what's your fourth point of defense for the Incredible Hulk? I'm surprised I had so much to say about Betty. That speaks to Betty as a strong, no, independent Betty's character. No, a strong though. character in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of things that surprised me revisiting it because I hadn't watched it since it came out, really. I've just been continually disappointed by the other Hulk. This one also does the, uh, and this is not my fourth point, but this one also does the superhero first movie, the enemy is another person with the same powers trope, which I, I typically hate. But in this case, when it's framed as uh, how does a scientist approach this versus how does a soldier who craves this power approach this? The For some reason, the framing, maybe I'm biased, but the framing really worked for me here where it's not just like Obadiah Stane in a bigger Iron Man suit. Right, or, you know, uh, another man from Krypton fighting Superman. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, there was that little hook there, and that, I guess that's enough for me. I mean, it, uh, it, it's it's because it's an interesting point, just because it's you, you, it's that dichotomy, and also just the one person wanting and thirsting for this power, while the other one's just thirsting to not have it. Beyond yeah. just the, you know, it's that desire and that want, in addition to that analytic scientist brain versus that brute force soldier brain. Yeah, and then when they when they meet at the end. You see how it works out. Yeah. As we were saying, though, your fourth point. Yes. My fourth point is Edward Norton. I prefer Edward Norton. I'll try to separate this from Banner as much as I can. Right. I I like his physicality. I like his more serious, less jittery approach. I don't know how much of the Ruffalo Banner ended up being a creation of Joss Whedon who was doing the first Avengers movie, but he ended up being very quippy and, uh, and very much a Joss Whedon character from that point forward, which most of the MCU characters ended up being, mm-hmm. but he's also, he's also plays it with more of a confidence. Uh, I mentioned this, I think a little earlier, but he, he's not afraid of himself. He's not even afraid of what he can do. He's just trying to, keep it to himself and he internalizes that in a lot of ways right and i think as i stated earlier with some of those quotes that edward norton has a really good understanding of the comic book hulk and kind of the the comic book banner and the complexities of that which i don't think it's ruffalo's fault because again there was none of these were hulk movies going forward but, and they took that Hulk in a completely different direction, obviously. So right, I, don't I, I never I, I saying Edward Norton is a strength in this doesn't necessarily mean like, and even if yeah. you don't like the future Hulk, it's not necessarily blaming Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo plays the part that he has very well. Yes, but absolutely. it's just the you you know it's being given two different things, and Edward Norton plays a more interesting Hulk. He has more interesting material to work with. And he has, there's just a lot more like pathos and psychology to the character. Yeah. I'd be curious how much of the finished product here is a result of the work Norton did in pre-production trying to get his way and how, and how much they did not want to have to deal with that in every single Avengers movie after this. Yeah. You know, part of it is there's always conflicting stories on exactly why Edward Norton did continue on. Some of it's that he is a guy who likes to have a lot of creative control in his work, even when he's not a director or writer. He wants to kind of drive the movies that he's in in the way that he wants them. But also, I just it's it is hard for me to imagine Edward Norton just in general, the type of person he is being in like yes i'm going to have the next decade of my life like every two or three years i'm gonna have to like go for and be this character for a few months he just yeah, seems just like, to be like in in 15 minutes of the movie right it doesn't shock me that even if even if this had been a bigger hit 
without him getting more creative control, I don't think he would have signed on for more movies anyway. Yeah. Like, do we get Birdman if Edward Norton is doing Avengers movies every once in a while? Probably not. I don't know. It's hard. Like some, like what's the, I mean, this is a kind of tangent, but like what are, you know, like what's Robert Downey Jr.'s best not Iron Man role in the past decade? Right. What's Chris right. Evans' best non-Captain America role? I, Mark Ruffalo. That's going to be Knives Mark, Out. <laughs> yeah, that is true. It is Knives Out. Um, Mark Ruffalo, at least, there is yeah. the counter that Mark Ruffalo at least gets to be in like, finds his time to be an interesting, you know, like Oscar for the movies he can be in like a spotlight or something like that yeah and still he still maintains more of a serious actor air than pretty much anybody else in the main thrust of the mcu yeah that's true who knows it's it seems like norton was just a pain <laughs> to deal with but it's a pain that works on the screen <laughs> Regardless, yeah, the, it's yeah. just like again, it's it's a tone thing. A lot of it, and by all accounts, he did fight for the tone. Yeah, and I I didn't know what you had said earlier at the at the beginning about his approach to Hulk. I didn't know that he was that into it, but it does sound like he really has a grasp on this, and so he took it seriously coming in. Mm-hmm. And there's just yeah, it's 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 a nuanced performance in that it is it's not jittery. It's confident all the way throughout. It's a movie about a guy who's barely in control that feels in control the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you understand him when he's starting to lose it in the panic, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he's not subjugated in a way that Ruffalo's character sometimes feels subjugated to the Hulk. Yeah, and I guess they do. I guess Ruffalo and uh, Norton both played their versions of the Hulk, and there's a lot to be said for I think how the MCU Hulk is a lot weaker of a Hulk character that we've said already. <laughs> right. But uh, just the whininess of that Hulk, I can't stand. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a fair criticism. But leading into your final point, which is, uh, I think this Hulk better ties into the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe that we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this story here from Ross and his connections to Tony Stark and Stark Industries to the origin of the Hulk through the Gamma trials that were started in an effort to replicate a super soldier project. Ross at one point says that they were doing this without telling the scientists. So he never knew Banner never knew that he was working on a secret soldier thing and it got stronger than that. And then with the main bad guy, he comes at it as sort of a super soldier wannabe. And that when they offer him the Hulk power, they offer it to him in a way that would indicate it's going to be more of a super soldier thing than a Hulk thing. And there are parts where he's running faster than everyone that reflects right. with yeah. the later MCU. Essentially, Thunderbolt Ross gives him like small super soldier injections. I guess like mm-hmm. it, it's not like he's not in like Captain America in this big like chamber thing, but they inject some layer of super soldier serum or something. It's not totally clear, but they inject into like his neck and his spine and then he goes and you know, is a try actually like fighting Hulk hand hand to hand for a while and like flipping around yeah. him and all these. And then he, he gets another one and then he doesn't actually become abomination until he gets to the research facility where they try and cure Hulk research lab and basically is like, inject me with Hulk blood. And that's what give me all of it. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a setup really for Captain America that Captain America didn't really end up getting but it's a clear middle step between tony stark and captain america here i think right yeah it, it just gives more ties to the mcu whereas when the hulk just shows up in avengers again he's he's a support character without really any ties and grounding to anything else if you act like this movie kind of doesn't exist which the rest of the mcu does 
and there's even tying into the rest of the MCU, like Banner even is sort of positioned as a foil to Tony because he's the only person on Tony's like intelligence level, even though he's smarter than Tony. He, yeah. <laughs> it's usually like Tony's like coming up with some advanced plan and Bruce is like, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. And then Tony's like, you're right. I'm going to ignore you though. <laughs> Whereas and this movie, I think, yeah, you can't I think imagine this works with that. Yeah. But you also can't imagine, you know, it's part of the thing where you can't really imagine Norton's banner being like steamrolled by Tony Stark. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. That's, that's, he doesn't. Yeah. He wouldn't react well to that. No. I think this Hulk works better than the other Hulk though, as a sort of like Iron Man, you've got a smart character, you put a shell on him, you got a strong character. This version of Banner and Hulk, you've got a smart character, you put the Hulk shell on him, you've got a strong character. But the MCU version, you do have a smart character, but you put that Hulk shell on him and you've got a dumb character. Mm-hmm. And nobody can really direct or control him. He's repeatedly a problem for the other heroes. The villains over and over again turn him into the Hulk in order to cause a distraction for the heroes they have to deal with. And again and again, they do defeat that Hulk. So he's a support character who everyone he's supporting can beat. Right. And while we're on this subject, is this is this where you maybe want to talk a little bit about Thor Ragnarok? And Should treatment? I talk about Ragnarok? <laughs> I feel like... okay. Th- so this could potentially be its own episode at some point, just... Because you are a fan of the comic arc Planet Hulk. Planet Hulk is one of the best Hulk comic arcs. And then there's a cartoon movie Planet Hulk, which is a good middle step film version. There's an Asgardian in that one. (laughs) And I thought that's what we were going to get more of with Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. Because essentially the, yeah, the, the Planet Hulk elements of the Planet Hulk are pushed into Ragnarok in a completely different way. And a completely wasteful way. So that they can never be used again. Right. So we, yeah, we can, I mean, again, we could probably do a whole episode on it, but basically, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll see the floor to you. What do you like about Planet Hulk and why is it not fulfilled in Ragnarok? Planet Hulk is a full Hulk arc where you drop Hulk on a savage planet. He initially succeeds through his one strength, which is the matter he gets, the stronger he gets. And as that happens, he can literally defeat anything to the point of pulling the planet together because of how mad he is. But he has to learn how to use uh, his, his smarts, his strength, his speed, and then he has to learn how to work together with people to bring the planet together and overthrow the oppressive regime that's controlling it and that is subjugating a plethora. I mean, it's a comic book, so there's so many different types of aliens in it that obviously you couldn't do that in a movie. It would be too much. Right. What you get in Ragnarok is all, it, many of those elements. He's on, a foreign, he's on a foreign world. <laughs> he's doing the gladiatorial thing. The gladiator thing, yeah. But that, but. <laughs> but Thor is the hero. It's all the Hulk stuff is a is a B story for another Thor family feud. Hulk never fights the main bad guy of the movie. He instead fights her dog. It's a big in fairness, it's a very big dog. <laughs> it's a big dog. It's a big dog. Korg and Meek are reduced as Thor as as Hulk is rather. Korg and Meek are reduced to just comic moments when they're they've got full stories. For themselves meek and meek alone has yeah the, the korg and meek are you know very serious very like korg is an extremely stoic like sage-like character almost who is the only person who's nearly as strong as hulk around so he kind of gets him and meek is this meek is coming out the other end of a genocide yeah he, he's this bug whose entire culture has been subjugated and he kind of is like the weakling in the party to start. And then he slowly becomes this conquering bug king. And yeah. And in Ragnarok, they're like, 
joke characters. They're very funny joke characters. I I, I really yeah, like yeah. I really like Core because it's Tedui Titi playing it, and they're hilarious. They might be the best part about Ragnarok, but it's also if you are someone like yourself who is a Planet Hulk fan and storied in that lore, you're like, what the yeah. hell are they doing? The yeah, the the main reason I want to bring up Planet Hulk at all is because comparing the comic book arc Planet Hulk and the movie Thor Ragnarok, you get a full picture of my problems with the MCU Hulk. And right now Planet Hulk is free if you have a Amazon Prime subscription and an iPad or a Kindle or something, you can read Planet Hulk for free. So I would I would highly recommend you go and do that and then watch Ragnarok. I think those are all strong defenses. And before we bounce out of here, is there anything else, any other just random thoughts about The Incredible Hulk, this movie that you want to get off your chest in the junk drawer? Any like ancillary thoughts or things that you feel like you need to mention? I just wanted to, uh, I guess, remind all the listeners one more time that the Hulk was in so many of these MCU movies over and over again. Yes, his story is relegated to the parts between the lines. You don't see a lot of his character development. These are comic movies. You don't have to see the character development like that. But the last we've seen of the Hulk to this point is him getting pinned beneath a rock (laughs) and needing Ant-Man's help to rescue him. That is the Incredible Hulk, the strongest character, getting pinned beneath a rock and needing Ant-Man to get him out. I, I understand I understand the attractiveness for a filmmaker, a storyteller, of having the smallest character rescue the largest, strongest character. But what we ended up with is uh, the Incredible Hulk pinned beneath a rock. All right. The, the one uh, fun random thought that I had watching this movie is when Hulk or when Banner wakes up in Guatemala... <laughs> when Banner wakes up in Guatemala, he then begins walking to Virginia and he <laughs> it shows because there's there's a thing in the movie that reoccurs where it's the like days since last incident and it shows like, oh, this is how many days since he's hulked out. Yeah. And when he gets to Virginia, it's been 17 days. <laughs> now, he didn't that. hulk out, so he didn't like jump <laughs> there quickly. And jumping, it, by the way, is something Hulk can do. Yeah, jumping super far. But he walked from Guatemala to Virginia somehow <laughs> in 17 days. It never shows him, like, hitching any rides or, like, jumping on a freight train or, like, renting a car or anything. And also it shows him, like, bagging on the streets and, like, things like that. So he's not just, like, straight walking. And I was just having fun. I was like... That I just watching and I'm like, it seems like that would take more than 17 days, right? And I did a Google <laughs> map search and I went from uh Chisek, Guatemala, which is like a city on the border of Guatemala, so it's like closer, it's pretty close to the border. Uh, and I went to Charlottesville, Virginia, which was where the University of Virginia is. The university in this is Culver, which is not real. That walk takes roughly 943 hours. <laughs> <laughs> which is a little over 39 days if you are walking <laughs> 24-7. I want to know how Bruce Banner, not the Hulk, shaved roughly 12 days off this time without taking any modes of transportation. That is more incredible than a big green monster <laughs> being trapped inside somebody. <laughs> I so appreciate the work he put into that. It, yeah. it was just, I, I was like, it seemed a little, like I, I when I first saw it, I'm like, I feel like it would take, I don't know, like maybe a little bit longer than that. I didn't realize it was legitimately 22 more days. So that is, that's the part where he's begging. And then I think at one point he asks for stretchier pants. Is that yeah. the same? They, they do have a, they do have a couple of fun, like little nods to, old Hulk like he's asking for stretchier pants because he needs that Lou knows the security guard at the yes, yeah. university and also when Betty and Hulk are on the run Betty like goes out of the hotel to get him clothes and the first pair of pants she throws him are just like 
these super stretchy purple pants and he's just like nah this isn't this is not it's a different you got to remember for most people when this came out hulk was the lou ferrigno he transforms into a green man sized person just a muscular man who is green yeah this turns him into a monster right and i think even that might have come into some of the criticisms of the critics because you know most of the critics when you're reviewing this are older and that's their familiarity and they're like oh this guy's all cgi and it's like (laughs) yeah it's we're not no longer in the 70s it would look terrible if it was just you know some wwe wrestler in green paint being huge anyway that covers our junk drawer so before we head out, is there anything you would like to plug? You mentioned that Planet Hulk is available to read on Amazon. Is there anything else you want to plug, either your own or things to watch or read? Or uh, I would love to plug my Twitter account at okay. Jambat. Uh, you'll see a lot of Star Wars talk there. I'm a Star Wars fan, first and foremost. Yes. And uh, when this MCU thing started, I was like, I can't. I can't do the Star Wars thing again with all these characters. So I picked one and it was the Hulk. And that was the one character who I should not have picked. You picked wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I learned that again and again and again. But hey, maybe the next one, right? Like your fellow uh, newsman, Ron Burgundy, once said, milk was a bad choice. Uh, Hulk Hulk was a bad choice. 100% so. Thanks for coming on again. Uh, Thanks for defending the honor of the Incredible Hulk. People Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, people don't forget. This is a solid movie. It's not going to probably blow your socks off, but it's the one most likely you haven't seen in the MCU if you've seen yeah. pretty much all of them. And, you know, go check it out. You know, I just went to the library and checked it out because you can you can find it. It's, it's not easily streamable, but it's findable. This uh, is Hulk Erasure, and I do not appreciate that you can't. I, I sat down to watch this movie, loaded up D+. Plus, kickback and guess what you can't search the hulk on disney plus it's ridiculous disney. but yeah it's it easily it's easily stands up to the other phase one movies i think yeah yeah it's it's solid check it out thanks for coming on james and remember even if everyone else mocks it love the stuff you love